once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. My father built a television set once. It was a 26-inch TV back when 26 inches was huge. It took months as he put every resistor, transistor, capacitor, and diode onto dozens of circuit boards. Had he not painstakingly followed the directions to the letter, it would have been a heap of worthless parts instead of a TV. Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series Faith Walking with this message entitled Following God's Procedures, which covers Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. Thank you for joining us today. You know, there's been one thing that's never changed through the history of God dealing with his people, and that is he has always commanded his people to a faith walk. Always said, live by faith, live by faith, live by faith. Now, you and I are accustomed to sight walking. That's the natural, normal thing for us. We walk by sight. God says, okay, now you become my people. You're now to walk by faith. The series that we're in, this is week three of a five-part series, and the, the series is entitled Faith Walking, and the goal that I have is through these weeks together that each of us, regardless of where we are, not yet on a faith walk, will understand how do you begin the walk. If you're on the faith walk, how do you start living more and more and more by faith? Let me give you a, uh, a definition by my own wife's request, she said, Randy, give us that definition in the bulletin. So it's there. We'll put it up on the board as well. Let's go over it. Faith walking is believing the word of God, submitting to the will of God, acting as if God had already done what he had promised, and then waiting on God while experiencing supernatural peace. We come to the book of Hebrews, and in the sixth chapter, we get a definition of faith, uh, not uh, as I'm calling it, faith walking, taking this definition into account, certainly, but, but he gives us the purest and best of all, all understandings of faith. This is what he says. It's seeing the invisible. It's being, having the conviction of things unseen and the confidence of things that are hoped for. You hear that? Faith walking is actually saying, I now am walking as if I see the invisible. I'm living life with this deep assurance of things that are unseen, that they're actually there, that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, and this deep conviction that says, I've got a hope and I'm going to hope on it until the last hour because I know my God is a faithful God. That's called faith walking. When you go a few more chapters in the book of Hebrews, it gives us the 11th chapter that has what I would call the hall of fame of faith walkers. And it's all coming out of the life of Israel. And one story after the next, after the next of these grand episodes of faith. One of which that's in there is the man Joshua. And it says, by faith, Joshua, he took Jericho. That's where we're going to be studying today in our series. So if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me as we go to the continuation of our teaching from last week in Joshua chapter 6. Last week we took Joshua chapters 4 and chapters 5. 
This week we pick up with chapter 6. In Hebrews 11, verse 30, we read this verse. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now there's a summary of our text. By faith. You're going to see in this story, there's no other way that this could have happened except for a people of faith who did what God said and followed God's procedures. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's do a quick review where we've come to. Week one, we have this teaching, faith walking when it seems impossible out of Numbers 13 and 14. And from that, we gain the first of five principles. Principle number one, faith walking focuses on the will of God rather than the insurmountable obstacles. If you and I want a faith walk, well, we can't focus on, on what we see. We got to say, God, what's, what's your will? There may be something that I cannot imagine because the obstacles are so grand. I can't imagine any way possible that I could ever accomplish what you have willed to be done in my life or through my life. Challenging first principle. Number two, getting prepared for a faith walk. So we looked at Joshua 4 and 5 that precedes this chapter we look at today. Principle two, faith walking requires significant time alone with God, remembering what God has said and done. It was at this point that we, uh, we walked through the three key words. I'm going to review them. For you that weren't here, you got to get these three. We talked about here the idea that there were some stacked stones that God said, I want you to take stones from the Jordan. He'd stop the waters. The people could cross over. Now take some stones out of that, out of that riverbed, and I want you to stack them. It's going to be a remembrance. And here we talked about the importance of the remembrance to reflect on God's power. That was the first thing they were to do, understand the great power of God, that he actually caused the waters to part, even as he had done in the Red Sea. He said, this is to be for your children. They're going to understand. They're going to say, hey, mom, dad, what, 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 what's all this stuff? What's that big thing there? Aren't all those stones? Oh, those are 12 stones. 12 stones from what? Well, 12 stones that were taken from the riverbed, one by each by the, the leader of each tribe. Well, why? So that you, son, so that you, daughter, might be able to remember as well as us, mom and dad. We'll always remember the power of God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those little kids would go, wow, God really did that? Oh, yeah. God did that. Don't ever forget, children, he's a God of power. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Then the episode goes further, and it, it takes us into two sacraments, the same sacraments of today, though one is still an eating and one's a cleansing sacrament. They're no more shedding of blood, so now instead of the animal sacrifices, we have the Lord's table instead of the Instead of the uh, circumcision, we have baptism, even as we had today in the service. Why sacraments? Man, here they are on the edge of Jericho, right in front of their enemy. 
about to have the biggest battle ever, ever faced by these people known as the Israelites. God says, stop and be circumcised. Illogical thing to do when you're about to go into battle, have all of your men circumcised. And then he says, now we're going to also take the Passover meal. And what do those things do? It's a way to claim God's promises. So we add secondly to the word power. You've got to remember the promises of God. And then the third and final episode was the, the meeting that Joshua had with Jesus Christ in a theophany. Theos, God, God presenting himself in a likeness that we can understand. And so he appears as if he might be a soldier from maybe the people of Jericho or maybe, so what, is, what does he do? If you remember, he's there looking over Jericho, probably getting his war strategy when they have to go in now and take over Jericho. And he says, when he sees this figure, he says, who, who are you? Who are you for? Are you, are you one of us? Are you one of the, the enemy? He said, man, I'm not either one of you two. I'm captain of the host of the Lord. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you love to have heard what they talked about from that moment on? At that point, there is the embracing of God's presence. And we add that word. And I suggested to you, as for me, that if we want to have a faith walk, you can't do it without these three. If we don't believe that God is a God of power, then when he says, you must love your wife as Christ loved the church, we say, I can't do that. And he says, you're right, but I'm a God of power. I can work in and through you. Oh, I can't, I can't get over that. Uh, I, I can't get over the problems that I have in my moral issues and so forth and so on. He said, did I not promise you? That I'll make you a new creation and old things are passed away and all things will become new? Do you understand the presence that when I'm with you, you can do all things, nothing is impossible with me? And those three words, I mean, it's just power, promise, presence, power, promise, presence. I said, keep thinking about that. Now, I want to do something. You're a Christian people, right? So you would be honest, right? How many of you, it will not hurt my feelings, I don't expect it to be a large number, but how many of you this week just rehearsed those three words? Just that, made, that became just something you just rehearsed. Raise your hand. Oh, I'm so glad I preach. <laughs> I would say there weren't many of you, but I didn't see anybody. <laughs> so we're going to deal with that. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you something when the service ends. And I want you to understand, it's going to be a memorial. I'm going to give to you, not I, this church, is going to give to you a gold-covered colored dollar bill, a dollar coin. And that's going to be a little remembrance. You're going to put it in your pocket. You're going to put it in your purse. I have mine right now in my pocket. And you're going to take that, and you're going to get one for your child, if they're not here, if they're old enough to understand and to be able to have it somewhere nearby. We're going to all take one of these, and that's going to be our memorial. We're going to use this to remind us 
What we're going to do is going to bring it to our all-in commitment that comes on the 9th of November, and it's going to be put into our kingdom investment. It's going to be a great way to, to say, Lord, I give this to you. It's just a dollar. We give it back. But it's going to be for us for a period of time. It'll be put toward our kingdom investment where it'll be matched and put into some of the great ministries that we support around the community. But this is going to be, more importantly, for us, a memorial. And my prayer is that all of us would now maybe beat the record of none of us, and maybe it would be most all of us who would start thinking of God's power. We would start thinking of his promise and his presence as it relates to the challenge that you and I are facing to be obedient. We're going to see what happens after we've had these in our pockets or purses or whatever for a week, okay? Well, that'll come at the end of the service. Think of it as a memorial. Now, the text won't take me long to walk through, but let me just address one other thing before we get... Well, let me show you uh, principle number three. I'll show you principle number three. This is where we're going. Following God's procedures, Joshua 6, 1 through 21. The third principle, faith walking requires a ruthless commitment to do what God says. Now, before I address that, let me give you a reminder to prepare us for our, what we're calling all in. Let me explain. This is in conjunction with our 12th ministry and campus development project. We do it every two to three years, usually every three, maybe four years, but we've just through the years 12 times. This will take us through year 40. This has become a very, very important part in the spiritual formation and progression of this church over the years. I keep saying to the leaders, I said last year, oh, man, when we don't need any buildings, when you can't think of anything new, you just keep doing this. Find people to give it to, but keep pressing. When I'm gone, I hope for uh, years and years and years to come, we get being pressed every few years to readdress this idea of faith walking as it relates to our finances. Because that's how faith can so easily, easily be built. I'm going to summon us all to a uh, faith walk regarding our stewardship. Uh, this is uh, year 35 through 40. We're calling it all in. This is phase two. We did two years last time, three years this time. It's a time we're going to hear our vision at what we call our vision awareness. Then at that time, we can consider what God wants us to be a part of. I've mentioned our motive here. I know newcomers, you don't know us. How would you know? But I'll tell you this. Our motive is a leadership. Mine, our leaders, I can tell you, it's not to get something from you. It's to get something for you. Very important to know that. I'm trying to repeatedly bring to you one promise. I want you to know God's power. I want you to know his promise. Here's the promise of Malachi 3. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Tithe means tenth. You know, I know there are people who are saying, I don't think the tithe is still in effect today. Maybe you're right. I don't agree. I think it's pre-Mosaic. I think it goes throughout the history of God's people until otherwise said to be different, and I don't see it saying different, so that's my belief. But it doesn't matter in the sense that if you don't believe that, you don't believe it because you've got some biblical, you've had history and study and you've come to the play, which means you've been a Christian a long time. The way I look at it, if you've been a Christian that long, you're given more than a tithe anyway. So 
I don't think it's that huge of an issue, really. But the reality is that there is a promise given to God's people. He said, look, you do this. Bring the tithe, the whole tithe in the storehouse, and I'm going to give you a blessing until it overflows. We've already made it clear. That's not a prosperity theology. Oh, I'll give you some money, God, and you'll give me much more back. No. In fact, I said it clearly. He may take money away from some of us, but only to bless us. It's not lifestyle prosperity. It's life prosperity. And I have to say, I found myself thinking, you know, God, how many more years do you give me to do this? We do this every three years. I think I've outlived all the male pope peoples. They all die in the 50s. I may live another 20, 30 years. I don't know. I don't know how long I get to pastor this church. But every time now I'm coming to this age and I say, God, I don't want to stand before you. And the people of this church say, I missed a blessing. I didn't hear it but every few years. But, but even then it wasn't really made. Man, I want to say, God, please. Take the people of this church and let them understand the beauty of this promise. God says it in the New Testament, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, overflowing, give, give, give. And the people of God say, I don't do that. We sat in an elders meeting this last two weeks ago. And I, they, they, they shared some statistics with me. They said, do you know that this percentage of our people give virtually nothing? These are members. You know, my first thought was not, hmm, look what our church could do if they just give. My thought is, God, when they stand before you, will they have heard from their pastor? Well, could they at least say, my pastor told me this. He, he pressed me on it. He challenged me on it. I'm not going to miss it this time. God, I want to help you. Let me be your pastor. Listen up. God says, I'll promise you this. I am a God of power, and I promise you, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse and see if I want to open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing to you. You want a blessing. All of us want God's blessing. He's God. He's our Father. We want him to bless us. I'm going to challenge us all. So let me go into the text. And I'll show you just how we might do this. Number one, we're going to just read the part of it. Joshua 6, 1 through 5, first. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. There's his promise. With its king and, and, the, and the valiant warriors, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now skip ahead to verse 20. Verse 20, it says, so the people shouted. So they go through and do the whole thing, six days, and then the seventh day. So the people shouted, and the priest blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, 
so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Incredible story. Now, let me pull out of that just a few characteristics of God's procedures. Number one, number one, God's procedures are usually different from ours and always designed to bring glory to God. Hey, kids, young people, do you know this? Do you know that when anybody asks you why God and whatever they say after that, and why does God, how could God, why would God, how, whatever they say, whether you're in an appropriate place to say it back, I want you to answer it always correctly in your own mind. Do you know what the answer is? For his own glory. Why does God do all things? For his own glory. This principle here usually does things differently than how we would ever plan to do it. Why? If we were to follow our own plans... We'd say, hey, pretty smart person, aren't I? I have that pretty well understood. No, no. When we do it his way, we go, well, God, you get all the credit. You get all the glory. Always, always, always. Let's put this story in the vernacular. Can you imagine? Here's Joshua. He gets his elders together. That'd be like me getting our elders here together and saying, okay, we got a plan that's coming up, and, and we have to take this city and they said, well, Joshua, you're our pastor. Uh, have, you, have you figured out how we're to do that? I think I've got the plan. Here's the plan. We're going to walk around this city six times, once a day, for six days. And we're just going to walk around it silently. Can you imagine the elders at this point saying, what now? Oh, no, 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 it gets a lot better. Because on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times and by the way there are going to be seven of us that have these horns and we're going to blow them at the same time and guess what guys the walls will all fall down we'll go in and we'll take everybody do you imagine that that got a second in terms of robert's rules of order i'd like to make a second to that i think that's a great idea let's vote on it. no i bet you there was a little pushback like can i hope for an alternative here um uh, what about uh what about burning them out? You know, we could set the place on fire and so forth. And somebody, I don't know. What about ramrods? We'll go through the doors and starve them. I bet there were a lot of alternative ideas that had to come to mind. Joshua says, no, you got to understand. I've been in the presence of Jesus Christ. I bet you if we could overhear what was said in that discussion, there was some strategic issues that came up, and that's where he got his plan. And he says, no, this is the way of God. God's promised to give us the city. We've got to do it his way. You look at everything through Scripture. Look at the way God's plan. Doesn't it usually go contrary to the way you and I would ever plan it? If you had to beat the Philistines and there was a, and there was a huge giant there, how would you do it? Would you pick a kid with a slingshot? I don't think so. If you and I had to pick the birthplace of the king of kings who's lived in glory through eternity, the creator of the universe, to come to earth, where would you have him born? Would it be in a manger? I don't think so. I wouldn't. If you think about salvation at large and say, how would you plan salvation? You and I would do the same thing. The better you are, then the quicker you get to heaven. He says, no, it's by grace. If you think about it, how in the world would you and I think about how to find life? 
you'd say, well, get all the gusto you can. Let's just enjoy life. We only have a short time. That's what's going to make life great. He says, no, 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 no. Let me give you a better plan. Why don't you die to yourself? And then you find life. Here we are faced at this period of time. How am I going to get? And all of us are living by sight. Naturally speaking, we say, well, I've got to get and get and hold on to and enjoy and take. And God says, no, 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 no. Give. Give and it'll be given to you. Man, that's seeing the invisible. That's a, a conviction of things hoped for. I mean, it's an ability to say, God, I know it doesn't seem, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, but I'm going to do. And that's what we as a people of the church, not just in this church, but church-wide all over, have lost in this day and time. It's we love our Christianity, but we want to live by sight in our Christianity. And God says, no, live it by faith. I want you to step out. I want you to do something that feels uncomfortable because you have to trust me, and that's not comfort. But you'll find comfort as you walk into the uncomfortable. You'll find my power when you walk into your weakness. You find joy when you walk into an experience of fear. He said, trust me. I'll get all the glory because you're going to know you didn't create this in your life. It's going to be because you followed my plan. I'll do it for you. And that's where many of us are saying, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this in my marriage. I don't know if I can do it in my moral life. I don't know if I can do it in my finances. And I'm going to say, folks, let's take a step off, just a step of faith. In a quick minute, I'm going to tell you a great plan to help us do that. But right now, let's do this. Let's look at number two. When following God's procedures, his people never face obstacles too big to be overcome. The walls, were they too big? Not at all. Walls weren't too big. No such thing as impossible. Doesn't God say with God all things are possible? I love the fact that our leadership in this church in its first year, our first elder team, it wasn't, didn't come from me, it came from one of them. They said, I suggest that we never, ever, ever allow the word impossible to enter into one of our meetings. No decision-making for the history of this church shall ever have the word impossible. We're going to be a people of prayer, and what we'll do is we'll say, we don't think it's the will of God, but not because we think it's impossible. It's because we just don't think it is the will of God. You and me, that's going to, it's going to have to take on some different shapes. For some of us, it's going to have to apply to our marriage. We need to say, no, it's not impossible to have a God-honoring and glorifying marriage. It is possible. It is possible to overcome the habits that are tearing up our lives. It is possible. It is possible to have a life as a faithful believer. And some of you are saying, I can't imagine me as a strong. You can be a strong Christian. It can happen. You can tithe. How many of us say, I can't tithe. I could never tithe. You know, no way. You knew my family. No, no, no. I guarantee you those walls of Jericho are bigger than your obstacles to tithing. It can happen. It's going to take a faith walk, though. Let's look at number three. God's procedures. God's procedures are often designed to build patience and trust in the lives of God's people. Patience and trust. Do you ever wonder why it was the seventh day? Can you imagine they walk it one day and they have to wait and they walk it another day and just what they're, th why, 
Why didn't God just say, hey, walk around the city one time. Better yet, just walk up to the gates and blow the trumpets. There was no power in the walking. The power was in God. But what he's saying is this, I'm going to build trust in you through the process. And I am amazed how often I watch God do great things at the last hour. Are you not in agreement with that? I don't know why it seems it's always the last hour. Uh, you know, many of you have heard the story of our apartment rent to uh, be able to, we came here with such little money and we didn't have the ability to pay our, our rent and, and found out the day we had to pay it that they asked us to delay it and didn't think there was any way. And the very, 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 very last hour, God provides exactly what's needed. You've come to taste a perimeter. You've heard that story. wonder why it was the last hour instead of before we moved to Atlanta when we kept praying, God, give us, give us, give us. It waits to the very last minute. I mean, you know the story of the day building if you come to taste a perimeter. Now we got it. And when do we get it? Well, we prayed and prayed and asked God, put a prayer date that we would have it. And that day comes, we have no leads, no contacts. In the very, very last day, it's provided. I think about the money that we got for this property. We were going to close it down. We had everything planned. We did our fundraiser. We didn't make enough money. I had a trip to Birmingham. I'm laying there and I'm grieving over the fact that we invested so much in trying to get this property. And we had said, if we don't get this much by this day, and that day came, that Sunday morning, our last commitment came in. It didn't meet what we needed. And we were going to just give it up and turn away from it. And I go to Birmingham and I'm just grieving, thinking, oh God, we came so close. My wife calls me and she says, Randy, left in our mailbox is a pledge for somebody that was not there and it meets the gap of what's missing. I said, God, why the last minute? Why the last minute? He just wants to keep saying, I'm the one doing it. I am in charge. I wonder, when we take our pledges, we know what we need. I'm sure it'll be the last hour. But watch what God does. We want to be a people of faith. Number four, following God's procedure usually requires a degree of risk and a willingness to fail. Think of the risk that the Israelites took. They're now right outside the walls of a people much bigger, more fortified. How in the world? They're risking their lives, literally. What is the likelihood that they would fail? Well, I would say, humanly speaking, what, 100%? I mean, do you think, do you think there's any chance if you blew trumpets around walls that they'd fall? I don't think you and I would ever think there's any chance. You think about taking, taking a step that looks like it's going to be failure? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. There again has been perimeter's experience. How many times we've risked failure. And you know what? You should be very thankful for your leadership because I'm away asking God, God, what about the next three years? Where do we go? And I said, you know what? I need to go back and ask these elders. I'm getting older. Maybe they don't want to take any risk. We always take risk every three years we do something like this. Maybe they're saying things are going good right now. Let it just kind of hang on because one day, Randy, it's going to be sometime this next decade you're going to be gone. and We don't want to take any risk before that. I come back and it wasn't one, two minutes before I could get it out of my mouth. They went, mm-mm, move on. By faith, move on. 
by faith. Oh, wow. I hope you're thankful for a people that have been in years past this church that have said, let's be a people of faith. Let's be a church of faith. To be a church of faith, you've got to be a people of faith. And that's why I'm calling us all out. Let's be a people of faith. Next week's, here's where we cover. Principle four, faith walking's greatest threat is the sin of idolatry. We'll look at that. And then principle number five, the most important, faith walking always follows the path of repentance, grace, and what? Sacrifice. Do you remember week one? Whose sacrifice? Yours and mine? No. It follows the path of God's sacrifice. It's what Christ has done for us. That will lead us to say, Lord, I want a sacrifice. But it always starts with his sacrifice. So seeker, as I close now, we must follow God's procedures regarding the most, I mean the most important endeavor of all of life. You know what that is? Overcoming our sin problem and having God pleased with us to accept us into his family. Now there's a faith endeavor. It's called salvation. It's not by works. That's the way it would seem. That's what's normal. That's what we think. That's what seems by sight. He said, no, 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 no. It's by grace. It's just opposite. You've got to trust me. It's faith in me. Not your works, but faith in me. No obstacle, seeker. No obstacle too big in your life to be overcome. Not even the obstacle of your worst sin. What's your worst sin? Name your biggest and best. I mean, what is your worst? Let me tell you. God says, not too big for me. I'll be rid of it immediately. Forgiven forever. That's the good news. God's great word. What about us as Christians? Well, as your pastor, I said I want to help you to tithe. And so um, I'm going to uh, suggest a plan. You know, right before the text of Mal Malachi 3.10, it says, you're robbing from me, the whole nation of you, you're robbing me. None of us want to meet before our maker and say, as Christians, I spent a lifetime robbing you. We don't want that. We know that. We all want God's blessing. And so I say, I'm sitting there saying, Lord, how do I help the people? How do we get there? And I'm going to suggest to you a plan. It's a plan that a pastor, while I was in graduate school, the church that I attended, that he taught the church. And I and the church picked up on it. And I've said all my life, it's one of the greater blessings I've ever gotten. He said, I want to teach you Christians how to faith promise. How to faith promise. And so here is how you would do it. If you're a non-tither, you're just not there and you say, I can't. I know God promises, but I can't. Your faith is very, very small. I can't get there. Then what you do is you say, all right, Lord, what can I do? What do I think? Even with your help, what, what do I believe that I can do? Is it 1%, 3%, 8%? I don't know. And then what you do is you take the balance and you say, do I believe that I could faith promise that and ask God to provide it? I don't know how to provide it. Maybe it'll be through showing me new means and giving me new will and ability to sacrifice. Or maybe it'll be by praying and God will show over and beyond means that I ever knew. I don't know. But I'm going to faith promise it. Maybe it takes you all the way to the time. Maybe it doesn't this year. But 
The idea would be within three years when we finish this, all of us would be tithers. Imagine all of us having that blessing of the promise of Malachi 3. Wow. For those that are Christians, you're already, as a Christian, you're a Christian tither. You know what you do? You say, okay, Lord, I want to give. The more I give, I'm just laying up treasure in heaven. I want treasure in heaven. And so, Lord, I want a faith promise. And Carol and I started doing that years ago. We say, we're going to promise this amount of money. Lord, if you provide it, then we give it. If we don't get it, we don't feel we have a debt. But, Lord, would you, we're going to, not going to forget it. We're not going to say, no, we're not. We're going, to, we're going to ask you, would you please? And when you give it over and beyond, and when you start seeing and your kids start seeing that happen and they hear you praying for it as parents, Oh, my goodness. And then God provides here and there, not every time, but just you got seeing these illustrations. You get your own stories of faith walking. And as Carol and I have often said, I think through our finances more than any other way, we have watched God build our faith. I believe it's going to be the same with you. There's a reason Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. He talked about it over and over and over and over. Because money is where our heart is. Where your treasure is, there where your heart is. Oh, Let's get your heart. Again, all I can say is, I do want something for you. I want to see you as the people of Perimeter Church. Let's be the people of God by faith. Let's see what happens. I'm going to pray. I ask you to give me the privilege now to pray for you, that we would be a people that would do just that. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're going to ask you now that you would That you would make us a people of faith. Pray you'd make Carol and me more people of faith than we are right now. Pray for all of us that you would hear us when we say it will be our, our intention to consider the vision of the church and to prayerfully consider what you want, to, want us to give. And, and Lord, that it would be part of a faith endeavor. You show us. We'll listen. And most importantly, Lord, I pray right now for those here that are believing that you could never take such a sinful person and redeem them, that you could never save a person that's sitting right here, whoever they may be. God, would you right now let them see the work of Calvary's cross, see the love of a Savior, and say, I find my heart in love with you. Grant that, we pray right now for many. We thank you in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right. We're going to wrap this up very quickly here. We're about to have the, uh, the ushers come down and bring the, this is what I would call a reverse offering. And so uh, there'll be money in the baskets and you take one out. All right. Take one out for you and take one out for any of your children. If you know somebody's not here, you're going to see, give it to them and explain to them. So we have 8,000 of these. So there should be one for everybody. All right. So uh, everyone grab one as it goes by, and then that's going to be our little memorial, remember? And it's going to be just used as a remembrance. So hopefully, we'll remember the three words. Would you repeat them with me? What's the first one? Power. Power. What's the second one? Promise. Promise. And the third one? Presence. Presence. I'm telling you, you go before the Lord with those three words, and your faith is going to be challenged. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.